You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And konnichiwa, my friends. Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin. I am here with Jason and Dan. Hello. Hi, everybody. It's so great to have you here. <laughs> we are back for our episode today that is going to touch on hoarding games, something that none of us have a problem with. Right, nope. Dan? exactly as i look at several games on my shelf that i haven't touched in a while but alas we will talk about that as we get further into the episode so before we get started jason how was your geek week uh geek week was uh was fun i uh, had a buddy over and we played escape the dark sector which is a a great little game we've talked about it many times or at least a few times on the podcast have we so done we, a review of that game? We should we, maybe do a review. Uh, did we? I think we might have. Mm, I don't remember. We'll I have to go we back. Did. And okay. I think we did. Right. We yeah. talked about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, we did because we played it. We played yeah. it on oh, Tabletop right. Simulator, and this is a fun game, right? This is one where we we discovered this on Tabletop Simulator, played it, liked it so much that I bought a copy, and I've played it in person with a few people now. So, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, anyways, that was fun. So I had a, a game night with a friend. You know, with the COVID stuff going, more more people are more willing to come over to the house and. And hang out, so hopefully we'll be doing a lot more of this um, over time. Yeah, and, that's great. Yep, and then uh, also uh, Netflix had a movie that um, Netflix is doing this thing now where like they they give you like, hey, this movie's coming up soon. Do you want us to remind you? Yeah, and you can put in like you know you can click the button and then it'll notify you on your you know your phone or whatever. And the the Army of the Dead uh, came up with uh, Dave Bautista. Ooh. Right, a retired yeah. professional wrestler yep. turned actor. Yep. Yeah, uh, really loved him. Guardians in, of the oh, Galaxy. Sorry, uh, I was gonna say really loved him in uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He was great in that. He movie. was really good in that. I thought that was a he did really, really interesting good. role for him, especially since he just came off of like doing Drax in Guardians yep. of the Galaxy, right? Yep. So, so it's and, and I'll be honest with you, I thought his acting in Guardians of the Galaxy was okay. Um, he played the role. He played the role. Yep, yep. But it's in, a campy show. In 2049, he I felt like he really portrayed that character's uh, depth for the yeah. short time. Now, what one thing that's interesting is if you are a fan of uh, 2049, um, there are about three, actually, there's about four movie shorts that take place before. In between the original Blade Runner and before 2049. Oh, really? And he, one of those shorts is dedicated to his character, so you get it gives you a little bit of backstory on him. Oh, I like it. Yeah. They animated. So, uh, no, no, no. It's real actor. Like oh, it was directed by action? the same director that made oh, the movie and everything. No way. Yeah, this was one of those where like, um, and a lot of people uh, miss these, but it's one of those where the the movie company put them out almost as like mini um, excitement trailers, like little teasers. Yeah. Yeah, but they're, so they're like five to seven minutes long, but they provide a little bit more story for each of the like main characters in the movie, and you can nice. find them on YouTube, uh, f- fully featured on YouTube. So. Oh, easy peasy. Anyway, so um, a, a movie was released uh, called Army of the Dead, uh, with yes. him in it. Yes, and uh, gave that a watch. So that's a fun zombie movie. Um, it's not like your Romero zombie, right? I mean, it has those kinds of zombies in it, but it's more of, um, you know, where the zombies have become a little more sentient, if you will. Uh huh. But uh, it's a fun ride. I mean, it's what you would expect out of a zombie movie. There's there's some good acting. There's some poor acting. 
Yeah. Uh, but there's there's a good chunk of zombie gore and just you know action and so good flick if you're into that uh, a lot of fun uh, recommend it uh, uh, not with your kids but uh, recommend it if you're uh, just looking for some just straight up action flick with with a bunch of gore in it. So it's funny that you mentioned zombie movie because. I also put on my Geek Week a zombie movie that I watched this weekend. Yeah? Oh. Um, it's an older one. Uh, I think it was made in 2016. It's called Train to Busan. Oh. It is a Korean uh, zombie movie. And if you are aware, the Koreans love their zombie movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they made oh, a yeah. movie called The Kingdom that is on Netflix right now. That is an awesome like medieval style zombie movie. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a series, right? Uh, no, it is a movie. I, they're talking about making oh, is a it second. A movie? Yeah, okay. it's a movie. Okay. Yeah. But it's it was that one was really good. And then the um, I mean, there's some crazy stuff that happens in it. Let me put it this way: the Koreans kind of don't hold back with some plot stuff. You know what I mean? You're like, wow, they went there. Okay, that's cool. Oh, yeah, no. You know, <laughs> and so so um, you know, this movie takes place um, as like apparently a zombie apocalypse is breaking out in. Um, uh, in Seoul, I think Seoul, Korea, and this dad and his daughter get on the train to go to Busan to see um, his uh, his ex-wife. Basically, go deliver his daughter to his ex-wife. And literally, as they're pulling out of the station, it shows this dude like get tackled and like kind of like you hear like a crunching sound yeah, as typical chains, like, zombie yeah, yeah like pulling yeah. away like hey what was that thing well, i don't know who cares but a yeah. zombie wanders onto the train of course and makes yeah. it on there and um you know they're it's a high-speed train going to the city and so you know shenanigans ensue um but sure. listen it was a wild ride it was a wild wild ride i made the mistake of watching that movie right before bedtime last night <laughs> And so let me tell you the zombie survival dreams that I had last oh, night. Oh yeah, I had them too last night. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, I was like shooting scoots, like get some water, get some food, like oh, we gotta protect yeah. our family. Like it was craziness happening. But um, anyway, Train to Busan. It was a great show. It used to be on Netflix. I think you got to find it elsewhere now. I think it's rotated out, but yeah. um, it was definitely worth it. So. Well, and, and zombie dreams are the worst because you get those dream tropes where like you you're running but you can't run faster than you can walk and like you know those weird things that happen in your dreams like you know no matter how hard you try you can't seem to be getting away from from the zombies that are coming upon you and great great times uh, love love having a. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Love watching a horror right before bed. I'm going to be honest with you, Jason. I've evolved to Dreams 2.0 where I now control the dreams. And I sure. am a deadly marksman. Or we could just say your dreams are that you're dreaming that you're controlling your dream. <laughs> you're it's the a, dream maker. This is, this is, this is some Inception-level stuff here. You know that they used to sell uh, – <laughs> what, what, what was the magazine in the, air, in the air, back of the airplanes? Hammer Slammers or something? The, the magazine that like had all the crazy products that what they used to put in the backs of the airplane uh, things. It was oh, like, you know, yeah, buy yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, buy yeah. this uh, weird foot massager. Yep, you know? yep. They used to sell the... Um, Skymall. Skymall. Skymall, that was another one, yeah. They used to sell the uh, masks you could put over with, with L- special LED lighting you could put on when you went to sleep that would wake you up in your dreams so you could fully experience your dreams. <laughs> You're tripping out. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious 
Good stuff. Uh, yeah. Stuff. Uh, so my other Geek Week thing, and the reason why I started watching Train to Busan is I hung out with my cousin this weekend, um, and uh, he was telling me about the zombie show. But at, at his house this weekend, he was having Lean Con 2.0 of 2021. So what? we got yeah. So I went to a gaming convention again this weekend, just at his house. Oh. He had a few of his buddies over. Um, we had Friday night was great. We played a um, team Warhammer tournament, so there was eight of us there. So we broke up into four two uh, two man teams, and we all brought a thousand point army, and then we swapped. Like so, I ended up playing Caradron Overlords that I've never ever played before, and somebody played my Night Hunt, and somebody else was playing you know a Death Army, somebody else was playing Stormcast, and they were all armies we had never touched in our lives. You know, and so it was pretty awesome. Like, we had some pretty epic games. Uh, our game that we had came down to the very last round, the very last turn, and we ended up, like, winning by, like, a couple of points. You know, so um, it was really fun just because, like, you know, I'm sure that I was playing them wrong. I wasn't, you know, getting the combos that I needed to do that you would normally get with an army, but we just had a great time, you know, strategizing and stuff like that. And then on the second day... I ended up playing the board game Dune, the Dune board game. Mm. Oh, I'm jelly. Um, so maybe you are, maybe you aren't. It's a worker placement slash. <laughs> <laughs> we, I laugh. I, the joke is Dan was just talking about worker placement games before, right before we got on the air. Um, but it's a worker placement and deck building game. Um, oh, so it's, it's not kinda, a it's not a reskin of the one from the '80s that everybody raves about. Apparently not. This was a new one. I had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like multiple ways to win. Um, you know, the the worker placement. I mean, that there is that mechanic that's in there. Um, but there's several things that you can do that uh, get really interesting. So I, I almost want to call it um, like Twilight Imperium Light. Oh. Um, because it had a lot of ad- like there's a lot of things that reminded me of Twilight Imperium. Like Jason, you know the last phase and like the, the what is it? It's not the diplomacy phase. There's the politics phase. Okay. Right, like where you kind of like add up your influence and then you get oh, a vote oh, oh, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So there's kind of a phase like that at the end of your turn for each round, and so like there's certain elements of it. I'm like, this is kind of like a Twilight Imperium light. Like, and we played the game in probably a couple of hours, you know. So. Um, it was fun though, and it had a cool Dune theme, and you know, like you were trying to like get spice and you know run the makers and. Which also... faction were you? Um, I was. So you played characters, mm-hmm. and I was the. Um... I'm totally forgetting his. Were you the Beast Raban? I was him. Yeah, I, I knew was it. the Beast Raban. Yeah, Dude, exactly. I could sense it. I could feel it through the. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. The blue eyes. I was gonna say the Force. Wrong genre. <laughs> Yeah, so it was uh, it was great. It reminded me that I need to read Dune again, and that like with the movie upcoming, mm-hmm. I need to I need to read the book again because um, you know I was I was like man I was like oh man that was awesome like there's the you know um, the uh, Gesserit sisters yeah you the know Benny Gesserit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. then so. you got the the math guys, the stuff on their mouths, the living computer guys. You've yeah, got, the mentats. Yeah. You get the menta Yeah, all that great stuff. Uh-huh. So, oh, cool, cool, yeah. cool. So, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool game. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm just going to give another shout-out. We played this other game called 
um, Tales from the Arabian Nights or something like that. Oh, that and, one has a lot of good press. Oh, let me tell you, it was hilarious. So it's kind of like if a board game became like spawned out of a choose your own adventure book. Mm-hmm. So like what happens is you are giving these quests like, okay, I got to go fulfill these quests and you have a destiny tracker and then a story tracker, and then you have to kind of like come up with this combo of numbers that you want to get. It's so like maybe I want to score five destiny points and 15 story points. I just chose 10 and 10 to make it easy, mm-hmm. you know? And um, what you do is you go to these cities, and every city you go in, you get an encounter card, and it'll be like beggar, right? And it'll tell you like what page you need to look it up on. And it'll be like, okay, so beggar on this table. It's like totally table based, mm. right? Oh, uh, yeah, um, I've seen this one. So. So you look it up on a table, and it's like, beggar. And it says, like, do you attack him? Do you greet him? Do you help him? Do you avoid him? Do you ignore him? Do you, like, uh, punish him? Like, all these things, right? And you're like, hmm, I want to punish the beggar, you know? And it says, okay, like, read this paragraph on this uh, this scenario. So then you go to that paragraph, and you read it. And it's like, you punish the beggar, but he turned out to be the prince in disguise, and his bodyguards came out and put you in prison. He's like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, and so then you get, like, you know, uh, um, a certain conditions, like I was imprisoned for that and stuff like that. So here's the hilarious thing. One of the guys is playing, and he's trying to play, like, his character as best as he could. His character ended up becoming crippled, right? So he couldn't move very far, so he tried to get on a boat and move faster because he was crippled, right? But it turns out that he got aboard with a with a nefarious captain, and they ended up like having their fun with him, and then throwing him in a barrel overboard and throwing rocks and glass bottles at him until he died. Yeah, <laughs> rocks and glass bottles. Yeah, we're like, what? what? <laughs> like it was pretty wild. And so he's like, yeah, you died, and like that was it. Like he was done for the game. Meanwhile, the rest of us were like, what just happened? Yeah, that game came out in 1985, and it's been in and out of print over the years. It's pretty great. It has a lot of a lot of of lore. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's so much stuff in there. There's like, I think that we were up to like entry 3,824 at what point? You know what I mean? Like, because you flip between the numbers. But there's like they they wrote like over 4,000 different entries that you could like use you know and so yeah. it was pretty wild and again it was like a choose your own adventure meets a board game and we just had a lot of fun with it It was pretty hilarious so, so yep That's that was great. my geek I'm, week i've seen i've seen videos describe that game and talk about it but i've never actually played it yeah it was totally oh, cool. fun sweet yep all right dan what about you Okay, so this morning I almost cuz I almost got an Xbox Series X cuz I'm on the so Discord close. channel yeah. that, that is the Stock Informer. I've been getting the notifications uh, as well. I got so close. I mean, I got to add one to my cart and then they're like, "Wait, you got to wait until we let you add it to the your cart again." And I added it to my cart again. And then I was like buying accessories and the games pass and all that stuff cuz I don't have any of that. And I could see that uh, it was shrinking the the number of stores I could pick it up from were like shrinking. I lost it. I didn't get it, but it it turned out okay. First of all, I had no spousal support for a random six hundred dollar purchase, and the reason why. <laughs> and I can't use. Do the thing, we well, ever have spousal support? For well, here's the thing. I I was gonna play that. Well, all my other friends have a cool Xbox. Why don't I? Well, let me tell you why. I don't have one right now because I. 
Um, earlier this week, I did another irresponsible thing. I put $100 down to get in line to buy a Ford F-150 all-electric lighting. Lightning. Wow. So a year from now, I've spent my $100 refundable to be invited to the, the Ford dealership to to build a Lightning all-electric. So I, I can walk away and get my $100 back. But um, I'm pretty excited about electric vehicles. You know, I'm not a huge Tesla fan, so I like the Rivians. And I like a, I like a little bit more uh, utility. So this thing, these things start at $40,000, which is amazing. And um, it, if you get the right uh, charging configuration, it can work as a, a generator for your house. You can plug it into your your box and it can juice your own house with your um uh, with your car with your truck yep wow so i'm you can do that with with with, um i think almost every ev at this point but uh, it's yeah but it's i tell you man i'm super excited about ev too in fact annie was asking me the other day because my car is about getting on 10 years and i usually keep my cars for about 10 years yep yep she's like what do you what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I want to hold on for another couple of years because, you know, I next year is going to be, there's going to, we're going to see a lot more EVs coming in to the mm-hmm. market. And it's like, if yeah. I can hold out for two more years, then we're going to have some like serious options, you know? Right. Yep. And I've got a buddy and we drove home from Gen Con with him last time we went to Gen Con in person. He's been driving a Volt. He's like, I, you know, my electric bill is one tenth of what I'd be spending on yeah. gas mile for oh, mile. Yeah. Um, and I just love the idea of, you know, certainly this is not the truck I'll be driving to Gen Con unless we want to go 300 miles and stop and charge for an hour. (laughs) This is the beauty though, right? I mean, I got a big family, right? So I, we have a big vehicle. You have a gas guzzler. We got a gas guzzler. But here's the thing, like when we get to the EVs, it's like, it's not going to matter how big a car you get. Like that guilt's going to be swept away because it's just, you know, it's just a recharge. That was the thing that sold me. I was like, it's a gas guzzler without guzzling gas. Mm-hmm. And so um, yep. I measured my garage. I'm pretty sure if I get rid of my <laughs> carpentry bench, if I ditch my carpentry bench, I'm pretty sure I can fit a, the that length of an F-150. Ah, so anyway, serious. I'm I uh, it could ha- it could happen, but you know there's you know financial goals in the marriage and this there's a sure. little tug of war. The funny thing bucks. is, is that like three weeks ago she sent me a link to a minivan that she thought we should buy, and it was probably five thousand dollars more. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, yeah, I could okay, see what or, I could see what kind of utility she had in mind. You know, yeah. oh, we need a nice. She's like, this will be your drive around car. And I'm like, why would you give me a minivan as a drive around car? Anyway? Right. So, we'll see how that goes. Um, my next Geek Week thing, I'll let you guys know. By the way, uh, if uh, I end up buying a Lightning, I may not. But uh, I don't know. Oh, by the way, just a Geek Week update from last time. Gen Con is cool, and they're going to roll over my uh, my pass. They sent me a nice yep. email. Yep. Sweet nice. people. Good customer um, support. Great yep. customer support. But I'm in the middle. I got into the middle of some guild drama. Guild Uh-oh. drama. Not Guild 9 gaming drama. I know you were thinking that that was the same drama. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, that's all no, behind us. No, that's all behind us now. So I'm in, you know, Star Wars uh, Heroes uh, thing, and I play it every day, right? And so like a year ago, um, Galaxy of Heroes is the name of it. Um, oh, that's right. Okay. And so I, I joined a, a guild. I, I joined a couple guilds real quick, and I bounced around. I realized the better guild you're in, the better stuff you get, right? 
So you kind of have to slide your way into the like the best guild you can get into, uh, and be and 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 you have to be kind of lame so you can kind of work your way up. And so about a year ago, I joined a guild that was called Banthafodu. And I thought their title was funny, and they said, hey, we're not going to be jerks. If you need help, you know, ch- hit us up on Discord, hit us up in chat, and we promise not to be mean. And I was like, oh, there's my guild. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be called out for being a noob or not knowing anything. And so a big part of being in the guild is just sending your guys to die every other day in, in, in larger events. So there's things you do individually, like in the in the arenas, it's about quality, not about quantity. So I go into the arenas, and I'm I'm in the top 200 in space, and and in person-to-person combat, and I I still feel like I suck, even though I'm in the top 200, right? And so I was in this guild, and apparently there's like too many people in the guild who are like, oh, a low-stress guild. This is the guild I want. They're not going to give me crap. So a bunch of the officers decided to say we want to be in a guild that's better we want to go do bigger things and get better loot and and we have goals in the game and so they're like 10 of the best people in the guild like up and left (laughs) (laughs) really oh now and and so what that does is, is that limits that guild's ability to go back and do the things it could do yesterday right right you can't go you can't go beat the same enemies you could before um, even though you've racked up the accomplishments, like you're great, you you can't do it again. Yeah. And so one of the leader, the ringleaders, like contacted me and was like, "Hey, here's the name of the new guild. We're merging with another the other folks." So they had sussed me out, and I had made the cut. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they were like, "Nice, you're worth come bringing with us." And my goal in the guild was to never even be noticed. I would just send my guys to die every day, and I didn't care. You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just trying to get. Some well, it's because you board. contributed. Like yeah. so, so this is the same kind of um, like I don't know if you ever played. Um, uh, oh my gosh, the name the Clash of Clans. Like I don't right, know if you ever right, played right, Clash right. of Clans, played but it's the one. same. It was Similar, the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Like you had your you had your clan, you know, and you would go to war, and if you could, you know, fight against like and mm-hmm. win against your level, then that would give reward points and you know all sorts of stuff and uh you know you didn't have to be the best but you had to be good at your level at least you know Mm -hmm. and so this would happen all the time where people would like you know be like all right losers we're out of here and then like they'd go merge (laughs) with someone else and then sometimes you'd get in and sometimes you wouldn't and but you know it's always nice to feel like you made the cut man i felt like such an idiot because i was like oh i joined this guild because everybody promised to be cool to each other and then they're like we're not cool to each other anymore and i went with the jerks because they were that's awesome they were playing to win (laughs) that's awesome and so the people that were left holding the bag it was sad i went back and looked at their guild page the whole thing was terrible and i was part of the part of the problem not part of the solution so that's how guilds go to die they just go to die Anyway, so I, that was the that was pretty geeky stuff, it's just and business. I never I never encountered that before in my gaming life. Uh, so oh, I thought you I never played WoW, that. did you? No, yeah, I right? never did. No, I never did. There's plenty of that in WoW. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Cool, cool. Okay, that's my geek week. Cool. So Sweet. Do news. Very good. Yeah, let's move to the news. It's news time. Exciting and news comable. <laughs> We're expecting you. All right. That was the Love Boat theme modified for <laughs> Tabletop and Beyond. This changes every time. I know. <laughs> I 
was too doing other things with my phone. I couldn't pull up a, a music cue. All right, so the plot for the new Dungeons & Dragons live-action feature film has been discovered in a United States copyright office filing. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so Can't hide anything these days. <laughs> Twitter user, the Pipez Zero. While searching through the Library of Congress, oh, Congress's gosh. U.S. Copyright Office catalog found a listing for what appears to be the Dungeons & Dragons live-action film currently shooting. Here is the synopsis. An ex-harper. I don't know what a harper is, people. An ex-harper. You don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa. A harp player? A harpist? No, 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 no. There's the Harper's Guild, right? What are the Harper's? They are, they're like, they're kind of, oh, how do I explain the Harper's? They're like the Pinkertons, kind of. You know what I mean? They're like a private entity that's like into espionage and, um... Kind of like they they try to find themselves on the right side of history, but they're not like aligned with any sort of uh, kingdom. Got it. But they're kind of all over the place. Okay. So, thank yeah. you for. I thought I thought it was about a harpist. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me finish reading it real quick. Uh, an ex harper turned thief escapes from prison with his partner, a female barbarian, and reunites with a no talent wizard and a druid. New to their team in an effort to rob the cheating con man who stole all their loot from the heist that landed them behind bars and used it to install himself as the Lord of Neverwinter. Only the traitor is ally only the traitor is allied with a powerful red wizard who has something far more sinister in store. Being directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly and starring Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. Okay. It is possible that the filing used a previous draft of the script or that Paramount, knowing the filing would be publicly accessible, submitted a false plot summary as a placeholder to avoid leaking spoilers. So there's a difference between copywriting the film you're shooting and copywriting the film that you finished. Interesting. So, but Interesting. I was, there's a lot of call outs to people who play the game. You got Neverwinter. Yep. Clearly, the Harper thing was headed my way, and it went over my head. You know, you got wizard, barbarian, druid, red wizard. It's all there. I could totally see Chris Pine as a as a ex Harper agent, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So that fits his ro- that would fit his role perfectly. Yeah. So that's just um, so things are moving and grooving in the world of the D and D movie. Uh, next night, uh, next news item: the official Dungeons and Dragons YouTube channel posted like a 20-minute video called "All Things Dritzed with our author R. A. Salvatore. This was accompanied by the animated short story "Sleep Sound," written by Salvatore and narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch. Hmm, interesting. Nice. I'll have to check it out. So, yeah, if, sure. If you're a fan of Dritzed, I know he's been around for like 30 years now. Um, in all of you know, maybe not 30, maybe 30. I don't know. Salvatore's books. Uh, Bob Salvatore is what they call him when he's at Wizards of the Coast. Um, he's a Wait, drow hero. Why Bob? Uh, I think it's R's for Robert. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. I yeah. guess I've only ever seen it as R.A. Salvatore. never thought about that. Yeah. Just as a side note, R.A. Salvatore was the author that killed Chewbacca in the Jettisoned Legends canon for Star Wars. Interesting. He killed Chewbacca, Uh, and the fans didn't want any more books from R.A. Salvatore after (laughs) he killed Chewbacca. 
You know what's just funny about R.A. Salvatore, and I might be getting him wrong with someone else, and I'll have to fact check this afterwards, but I think he actually had a computer science degree. Mm. Interesting. I think he actually went to school for computer science and then said, you know what, screw this, I want to write books. He's pretty geeky. Yeah. yeah, I watched the interview. It's about 20 minutes long. They had some other stuff about uh, Magic the Gathering overlapping with D&D that I found interesting as a player of both games. And and inside the twenty minute video, they have the animated thing with Cumberbatch. So it's all it's good stuff. It's a good yeah. interview. If if you've been around uh, this the book series, the Dritz series for all these years, it's kind of a, a something you can't miss. It's on the D and D YouTube yeah. channel. Okay, so he he started in computer science, and then he changed to journalism. journalism. Interesting. Yeah, that would make go. sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All that coding. Yep. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, none of that stuff makes the world go round. Oh, right? I know. <laughs> I just want my software to work. I don't care who codes it. <laughs> All right, last news item. WizKids announced a huge update to their line of pre-primed, unpainted miniatures based on Critical Role. First are three new monster multi-packs, the Core Spawn Emissary and Seer with two monsters, and the Core Spawn Crawlers with three monsters will retail for $8.99. Wait, all of that will retail for eight dollars? Mm, I believe. Or each pack. I think each pack are eight ninety nine. So I think okay, it's three okay. minis for nine bucks. I think. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so if you're a fan of Critical Role, or if you're a fan of pre-primed minis from uh, WizKids, you know they've done minis for a long, long time. I've got a crap ton of WizKids minis. I'm not proud of it, um, but I have many, many, many WizKids minis. I got a bunch um, from them that I was using. Like, I couldn't find um, uh, some gnolls, right, for my Shadow of the Demon Lord game. So, mm-hmm, like, those mm-hmm. are like the dog, you know, the, the, yeah. the wolf kind of dog bipedals. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, the, the best ones I found. What's that? The gnolls. Yeah, the gnolls. Gnolls. Um, those were the uh, those were the best ones I found because, like, I mean, GW doesn't have uh, you know the wolf beastman or anything like that, so um, I I got them. And you know what? They're not bad. Like they're the hard PVC plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like sometimes you'll get stuff where like the sword's a little bent. Yeah. And all you got to do with that though is just um, like heat up some water in the yep. microwave. Yep. And just put it in there, and then it'll get real flexible. You straighten it out, and then dip it in ice water, and you're good to it goes go. right back in. Yeah, I've done yep. that with many Wizards of the Coast minis. Lightsabers. Yep. A lot yep. of flaccid oh, lightsabers came <laughs> in those Wizards of the Coast packs. I see your Schwartz is not as healthy as mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there was definitely there was some Enzite moments for some lightsabers that needed some repair. And I've done it. I'm not proud of it. So they've got individual monsters, Gloomstalkers, Ariaran Reversers, Shadow Priests, Ariaran Nullifiers, Basilisks, yeah. and they've got individual character minis for five bucks each. So they're they're out there for you. And I'm interested that WizKids is actually, you know, getting in the pre-prime business and making painting something that happens. Usually they've made their bones selling painted minis all these years. So you know, they can yeah. see which way the wind is blowing in the hobby. Well, um, I mean, their miniatures have been always primed for a while now. Hmm. Um, so all you have to do is just get regular paint and slap it on there, you know? Yeah. So uh, you don't have to worry about priming, which is nice. Um, I mean, there's a lot of... I put primer on mine anyway because <laughs> I like the primer that yeah, I yeah, use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, if, if you're you doing know. it for real, you know. Yeah, exactly. 
There's a so, difference, yeah. And so anyway, yep. so there's there's that out there in the universe for folks. That's the end of the news. Unless you guys have anything else. Unless there's a tack on uh, thing for uh Yeah, any Warhammer, Warhammer news, Justin? <laughs> Actually, there is. Uh, and here it is. <laughs> uh, Saturday is a preview of the new AOS 3.0 rules. We talked about how there were some leaks before, uh, right? Yeah. And um, so Saturday is like a big reveal for it. And they're going to be revealing the Dominion box, which is apparently the new um, battle box that will kick off uh, Warhammer 3.0. So the original one that kicked off Age of Sigmar was the Stormcast and Corn box. And then Soul Wars came out. And that was... Um, Night Hunt and Stormcast, and so this Dominion one's coming out, and it's Stormcast, and they've been teasing the other faction, and it's a new faction, a brand new faction, and um, it's from the realm of Gur, which is like where orcs and goblins come from, um, but it's not an orc or moon, gloom spike gets army. It's going to be a new faction, and the rumor out there that seems to be holding the most weight is hobgoblins which are different kind of goblins out there. So um, they used to be enslaved and, and used by yeah. dwarves. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah. So they're going to be revealing that on um, Saturday. So that'll be kind of the kickoff to – I mean the kickoff reveal anyway to AOS 3.0 with I imagine the pre-orders happening probably mid-June. You know, and yeah. so that that means AOS 3.0 will start up probably third week of June. So, question: Do you think that they're still getting rid of battalions? Yes. So I'm not sure because I saw an article recently on one of their newer models, and in the subtext of the picture of the model, it said it said something specifically about a battalion. Yes. If you include this in. Your, you know, the special battalion, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, why would they create a rule that's going to become OBE in months, like so, a few months later? Okay, so I've got two thoughts on that. Okay. One, I think the term battalion is still going to be used. I mean, you're going to create your war battalion, just like how it is in 40K now. Like, you have your... Um, you know, combat patrol or strike force or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like that's, you organize those in battalions and like there's certain roles that each thing will fit into. Right. So I think that that, so the term battalion is there. So, so if it said, if you include this as part of your battalion to blah, 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 then I think it refers to that. Now, if it said a specific, like if you include this in the Emerald host battalion, right? Like if it had a name battalion, I think that those battalions, those kind of like um, extra rules battalions, will be moved to like narrative play, and they will still exist in narrative mm, play. Okay, got it, got it. You know, cool. so yeah. you'll have you'll have those rules. Or it's kind of like the crusade rules in 40k as well. Yeah. You know. So I can see that. Yep. Yep. So. But, yeah, I think the consensus right now is that battalions as we know it are going away. You will still use them to build your army, but they won't give you any extra bonuses. Um, And from what I understand, it's not going to determine your um, beginning uh, turn priority for your drops. Like, you're just going to set them up, 
you know, one unit at a time or whatever, and then you'll roll off in the beginning. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, what'd you say yes, next we week? Yes, we will. Next Saturday. Yeah. Next Saturday. Oh, I, I also saw we've I've seen a few uh, local tournaments popping up for AOS. Yeah. So yeah. It's it's ramping back up. I I'm not gonna lie, it was fun playing the other night. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being like, oh man, I've I've been missing this, so it'd be fun to do a tournament again for sure. sometime soon. Fired for sure. up. I have a question. Yeah. Did you um, ever crack that box that went out of print immediately after you bought it? Oh, Curse City. It's, it's still taunting me with its plastic wrap it's on it. It's still in shrink so. wrap. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Well, you better hope you, you don't have a goofed like, up oh. box. I know, right? Uh, I mean, the good news the good news is is that they're selling the zombies and skeletons separately. So if I'm desperate, like if I only true. get like That's 20 true. skeletons, I get 20 skeletons instead of 10 zombies and 10 skeletons, then I can go pick up a box of zombies. Yep. I mean, it would suck, but I would do it. Um, yeah, so it's still in the shrink wrap, Dan. I'm like super close now to finishing my Skaven Warband, which was kind of like the thing I needed to finish before I opened that up. And so as soon as that's done, I gotta open it up. My goal is to have that whole game painted before GuildCon. Okay. All right. So that when we play it, like it's ready to go. So it's not that it hasn't been busted out because you're still weighing the pros and cons of offing it. Oh no, I'm I'm definitely keeping it. I think that's yeah. That's I, I've listened to the episode where we grilled you on this pretty deep, <laughs> and I came I came out of it on your side, even though listening to myself browbeat you. On the other side of the equation, I'm glad that's where you are. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely keeping it. I'm excited to like crack it open and, and get into it, but I just needed to finish painting my other project because if I stopped, I wouldn't have never come back to it. So, that makes I mean, sense. I, I would have, but it just would have been a really long time, and I wanted to get off my hobby table. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, yeah, cool. Cool. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, let's get to our main topic today. Um, so as we had talked about in the beginning of the episode, uh, we may have a problem and that may include hoarding games. And, you know, what that means is that you've got basically a shelf full of games that you may touch 10% of them, you know, um, and you kind of look at your you your wall of games and it might end up becoming a wall of shame to you because you say ah oh, why don't i why don't i play that again like why don't i you know why don't i pull that out so we wanted to kind of explore the psychology behind why we kind of hoard our games and is it a good thing or a bad thing and does or does it even matter so let's get into um let's get into it so part of the big part of the big issue of hoarding games is that we we start to buy games that we don't and i'm using air quotes here that we don't need <laughs> right quote unquote well, you need. need every game right yeah so so uh you know you, but you i i say this you know very lovingly my wife has asked me several times like why did you buy that when you already have a perfectly good xyz right here on the you know yeah. on the shelf yeah yeah and so so let's let's look at here why are we buying these games that we where we have a perfectly good alternative solution that's on the shelf already <laughs> well you know um there's something exciting about something that is new and we tend to go after the new thing 
we're kind of chasing that high that you get when you've got the new thing, which is awesome, yeah. right? That could be one reason. What are some others? Um, uh, what? Yeah, go ahead, Jason. I was just going to say, I think the uh, the if you're a, if you're big into themes, I'm big into themes. I can be gr- I can be captured by the thematic elements of a game. Even if I don't know anything about the game mechanics itself, mm. just the look of the game. If if it, it's a very appealing aesthetic, then it's something that uh, I may just want in my collection. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm trying to think if I if I have any games that I have just because they look good. Uh, well, it, theme is know. one thing. An IP is another thing. Sometimes you fall in that's love true. with an IP and you keep going back to that well. I'm going to throw myself under the bus, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings and Star Trek even, you know, um, you know, I've got a Star Trek uh, miniature battles game. I have not played in at least nine or 10 years, Yeah. but it doesn't stop me from going and picking up a different Star Trek game, wanting to chase that thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. IP another way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think that that's uh, I think that's definitely true. Um, I think listen, you well, you know, and I mean, part of that is that uh, you know, with games moving to publishing and Kickstarter, mm-hmm. there's like some hype around it. And then, like for example, I think there's a great example: The Darkest Dungeon came out with a board game, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh man, I love that IP, I love that art, I love that stuff. And you're like, do I need this? And you're like, yes, I do. And you end up <laughs> buying it, you know? And so, I mean, you know, there's some games out there that just hit the right spot. Now, the question is, is when am I going to play that game? Yeah. Like, when, like, I know that I can play it with my friends, you know? Like, I, I know, I, I know that some of them would love to play it with me, but how often are we going to get together and actually play it? Like, how yeah. often are we going to. I mean, maybe once a month. Like, we can barely do that for an R- yeah. one RPG a month, you know? And, like, are my kids going to play it with me? Uh, they're not really in this <laughs> stage right now that they love those kinds of games, you know? They're still in the Uno phase right, of game right. gaming. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think... I, But I don't. my point is, is that I don't even give consideration to playing it when I buy it because I'm already in on the IP and the concept and the art and the visuals and the components and the oh my goodness this is amazing you know and and next thing you know you've got like a lot of you you know you got a bunch of games on your hands that you don't really ever play or that maybe you haven't even opened from the shrink wrap <coughs> Lincoln I, Tidwell yeah I think there's 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 the thrill of the Kickstarter game right and mm-hmm. people the campaign the campaign there's something about it you're like oh i'm excited about this this is going to be amazing i love it's getting in early get get in early and you'll save money and then we're going to give you this and give you this and give you this and give you this and man i i can get sucked into that just as much as anybody else and you know and i know a lot of people that have been buying been buying a lot of games on kickstarter and yeah such and such and this and that and yet they're taking up space on the shelf and maybe they've been popped open and the pieces have been organized, but maybe they've never been played. Right. Um, and and I know I've got, there's game board game enthusiasts that don't care about that. You can see them with their giant wall of board games behind them when they shoot video. Yep. They have to show off the quantity of the boxes that they have. Because there's something there that's that's a big deal. You know, people can drop $40, 50 $60, $100 left and right, left and right, left and right, play a game once, 
put it on the shelf and not be bothered by that. Right. And that's kind of that's kind of wild. I don't think that's everybody. I think there's a there's a pe- there's a group of people in the hobby that do that, but certainly that's not the majority of everybody in the hobby. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just like a bibliophile, right? It's somebody yeah. who loves to collect books because they're fascinated with books. Yeah, just the fact that you know the bindings and the way they're made and that kind of stuff. But they don't ever read them. Yeah, they just collect and put them on the shelf. There you go. I I think I think that's definitely there's a collector aspect about it, right? That you're just like, okay, well, if I have all of these games and I've got, you know, there's there's something about it. So, um, yeah. So so why do they end up like why do they end up on our shelf? Like why don't we play them? Obviously, we had full intention to pick up these games and play them with our buddies. Mm-hmm. Right, so mm-hmm. why do they end up sitting on our shelf? I'm looking at—I hate to say this—I'm looking at Dark Souls, yeah. That that Jason and John and I got, and um, it's sitting here staring at me. It's been in that spot since GuildCon last year, yeah. yeah. And it was in that spot for probably a year before that. You know what I mean? And it's like I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, well, like you know, the next time we play it, play it, we'll probably be at GuildCon again. You know, and, and Justin, you know, you're never going to part with that one because of all the hours that we put into it. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And the I, minis are great. That's another thing that helps keep it sticky on your shelf. But mm-hmm. I mean, so you've yeah. pl- you, I've only played it about a, a quarter of the times of the total times you guys played it together. And I wouldn't want you to get rid of Dark Souls, even though it's even not my favorite game. But we were right. into it for that that period of time. We were into it, you know. Look, it's about return on investment, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. paid what a hundred bucks for that game. Yep. And if we played it four or five times, you know, that across four people, it's it's been worth yeah. it. Especially yeah. if it's a fun game, and we know if we ever just think, yeah, let's play Dark Souls again, we have it accessible. It's not really costing us anything to keep it on the That's shelf, true. Mm-hmm. right? Uh, right. And I guess well, <laughs> if you overhoard, then that is a thing. You run out. There's there's only so much physical cubic space in your house competing against other things and everybody's different no dan Every, there's always room for everybody games. from a one room <laughs> always know, room for everybody games. from a studio apartment up to a mansion that 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 quantity is fixed i i, I understand the point you're making yeah. i don't think it's necessarily that big of a deal yeah to keep board games in your house somewhere i mean you can keep board games under the coffee table and mm-hmm. in the closet and I I will say I have been maybe once in my life to someone's house where I thought, uh, you, you really don't have the space for all this stuff. But, you know. <laughs> maybe but, that's uh, a, a yeah. limitation of your experiences. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Well, I don't mean we've all, you know, we've all definitely been in. Um, most of us at least have been into at least one or two hoarders houses. Uh-huh. And those are That's a little bit of a different scenario. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I would say, you know, um, what what interests me more is why do I keep those games I didn't like on my shelf? Or you, like you have I play no a game, to play it again. No intention to play it again. Didn't enjoy yeah. it. Wasn't as fun. <laughs> would rather spend my time doing something else, but I won't get rid of it. Like, what's up with that? Yeah, you know? I, I have a, We all have that game. Yeah, I, I have a game that my brother and I have given each other back and forth, and it, right now it's in my stewardship. It's Willow the Game. <laughs> and you had a character and you had a stat card with your prowess, which was your ability to get into a fight. And then you had a spell casting stat with a little yellow paperclip and your stats went up as you played the game. 
And in 1988, whatever, that was that was so great. And I don't want to play that game, but I'm not gonna. Th- I, we can't throw it away. He couldn't throw it away. He mailed it to me, and now I can't throw it away. <laughs> we played the crap out of that game. Here, Dad, don't get rid of this. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was so great, it, and it's just it's this thing. It's like okay, it's Lucas. It's a it's a you got the memories, and it's a snapshot of an era. And it was ahead of its time. Like when when I started playing Arkham Horror, I was like, oh yeah, I did this 15 years ago in Willow. We had the same thing. Yeah. So I um I've got a game. You ready for this? I bought Risk in French when I was on my mission. <laughs> okay, so this is 20 years ago, and my Tribune. my um exactly. And uh, you know the other missionaries and I in the city, we would get together on our preparation days like when it was you know like um those were our days off um when uh it was like rainy or snowy or whatever and we would play that game for hours on end and we'd do it in french and speaking in half french half half english and all that (laughs) stuff and so there's a lot of nostalgia of that game you know Mm -hmm. um the 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 funny thing is is when we moved out from utah i had that game still i had brought it home from france and in fact when I had brought it home from France, I had gotten rid of the box because it didn't fit in my suitcase yeah. very well. And they don't, they so, don't travel well. Yeah, so I ended up putting like all the components in little baggies, and I had the board, and like all that was laying flat. And so I think I put that in a big um, like shopping bag type thing, you know. And mm-hmm. and uh, that's how I have carried that game around for the last twenty plus years. And you still have it. And. I do, <gasps> and it's on my shelf. So if we wanted to play French, French Risk, Risk, we could do it. But I'm sitting here going like, why am I keeping this game again? Because it's like I don't have a plethora of French buddies who can, you know, um, you know, call out these names, country names in French, you know, or read the uh, <laughs> read the mission cards that we have to do because they're all in no, French. No, no, don't do the missions. You Just know? play the basic. Play the basic game. Play yeah, basic exactly. Game. So. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm holding on to this game and it's just taking up space because I, w- I don't know if I'll ever crack that thing out again. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, like you'd, you'd have to like something like what com- com- confluence of events would lead to you actually sitting down and playing that game. So the. The psychologist in in someone would say, you know, the reason you're holding on to that is because it represents a very important period of your life that you look back on and immediately probably triggers, you know, fond memories. Oh, yeah. Not fond memories and stuff. So that's the same reason we hold, you know, keep photos. I I think that it doesn't have to just be journals and photos. There can be, you know, things like games that have always kind of stuck with us. Yeah. Remember, that's why I don't own a single Monopoly game in my home. <laughs> There's no good you know, memories. I, there is no good memory with it. There's only one version of Monopoly in my house, and that's because it's my son's. And I won't throw my sons away, but no. Just, there is no family-owned version of that game. Dad, you judge house. me because I play Monopoly. Why? Oh, he even, he, I think I've even sold him on it. You, Monopoly challenge, you rebel you know? child. You, you're not my son if you play Monopoly. <laughs> I challenge anyone to the my my fake Monopoly challenge, which is try to play that game in the time the box says it can be played in. <laughs> Impossible. I learned it from you, Dad. I learned it from you. That's right. Sorry. That's right. Sorry, that was. Anyways, that's great. But I, I mean, I've got I've, you know, I've got. I've got stuff in my house that, you know, has no utility to me beyond the memories that it uh, holds, you know, 
Yeah. And uh, I think games can do that too. Yeah. In different. So in, is it good to hold way. on to them though? I mean. Well, why not throw away there. your journals and your pictures? <laughs> and, you know, I mean. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. I mean, I can argue that. Can't take them with like, you. So your posterity will be able to look at those journals and pictures and be like, oh, so this is what grandma looked like, and this is what dad was (laughs) thinking. Your kids aren't going to be able to do much with that French risk. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's my point, right? Is they'll look at the game and they'll be like, why did dad keep this game? What is this trash? So, And I'm sitting here going like, well, there was this one time that on (laughs) the ground. It's covered in gibberish on the board. (laughs) Right? So, um, yeah, I mean – I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I will end up throwing that game away one day, you know, but I just haven't yet. I think there's nothing wrong. First of all, the Marie Kondo thing. You pick it up, it brings you joy, leave it on your shelf, right? I'm not telling anybody to throw their games away. Yeah, I I do think there is kind of a gamer mode where the collecting and the buying becomes its own thing, separate from the utility of sitting down and having a good time and spending that time with people. Mm -hmm. I think there can be a disconnect there if you're just constantly saying, oh, well, now I've collected everything and these are out of print. And then there's some joy in collecting things that are out of print, but sometimes there's just acquiring stuff to tick a box in your brain. Yeah. Um, You know, and... It, it, it seems, it's like action figures, you know. Are you ever going to bust it out and play with that action figure? Are you going to collect it? Yeah, there's that whole thing. I get it. I totally get it. Things can retain their value over time. But if we're doing this as a hobby and, you're, and, and, and you don't use the utility of the thing and somebody says, oh, is that game fun? And you can't answer that question on your shelf with the game you bought. And then you have the story about why you bought it because you were excited about the Kickstarter. But yeah. you've never actually played it. I mean – Maybe you should. Maybe that's a self-pondering. Maybe that's a self-reflection. <laughs> right, 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 maybe, right. Yeah. But maybe yeah. it is providing utility for you based yeah. on what you see in it. Right. Yeah, that's, that's true. I'm not ju- judging a, anybody, but oh, yeah, we yeah, all yeah, have a hor- game hoarding problem. All of us, we all do. And so it's a matter of where we've. Where are we on the hoarding spectrum of games? Well, I'll tell you this. Yeah. Right. So we have a friend who is a huge action figure collector. Mm-hmm. I yes. mean, huge. Oh yeah. And. I went by his house this weekend to pick up, uh, actually to pick up a game, and I brought my little girl with me because we were out doing some shopping, and um, we came into his house, and he says, why don't you go up, go up into the this one room, you know? So we go up into this room, and this entire room, the walls are lined <laughs> with in-the-box sealed action figures. Wow. Yeah. And I tell you, man, I was, it was like, I was on cloud nine. Yeah. <laughs> and my daughter was like, <gasps> you know? It's and a toy store it's in just, the house. Oh, my gosh. And it's like toys from, you know, when I was a little kid, like, you know, yeah. mask. Remember the, the cars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All that stuff and, you know, and just like total throwbacks to these things that he has kept in boxes for decades. And for him, his utility is, you know, the that moment I shared with him when I was standing there in his room. Yeah. That's the utility that those bring to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He never plays with them, but they still bring, like, immense joy and happiness to him. And it was really cool to, to share that. Yeah. But, so I think games, you know, all things that we collect, and maybe this isn't, you know, just an episode on collection, but all things that we collect and, and have, they can have utility beyond what they were designed for inside of yeah. our lives. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's true. I agree. Okay, with that. so let's let's set that stuff aside right now and say that is a perfectly legitimate way 
to hoard your way through gaming. Now, yeah. Now that's perfect. No, no one's perfect justification. No one's questioning that at all. Now let's let's get into another swim lane. Okay, so okay. you bought Got a game. It. You thought it was going to be fun. You bought it to play it. Yeah. Yep. And yep. yet it has not been played. Why not? Why do Why are there barriers to playing a game that you bought? So play not fun? played ever or not played again. Uh, well, some of them maybe ever, and some of them maybe more than once. So I could see a scenario where, like, you went to Gen Con, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you tried out this game, and maybe you signed up for it, and your buddies were busy doing something else. So you went and played it by yourself, right? Yeah. With another group of people. And you're like, this game was so much fun. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. You went and picked it up. You brought it home. And you just couldn't convince your friends to play it with you. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. Like, right. No or, thanks. or I mean, maybe, maybe you could. It's not that you couldn't convince them, but maybe it was a little bit more involved. Like a session's going to take six to eight hours to play, or yeah. you know, I mean, like there's 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 some time barriers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some getting like maybe it's like an eight player game, and getting eight people in a room together mm-hmm. is kind of tough with busy schedules. And I mean, there there there's all sorts of barriers to some of these games but um like i said i see a scenario where you had a great time at a gaming convention because that was a time dedicated fully to gaming right where the people that you sat down with were totally concentrated on that game because they were there to game you know what i mean uh we didn't have other family stuff that was going on or you know, like any of that no kind of stuff that you were, no distractions. You were there to game. You had a great time. You're like, I want to play this with my friends because they totally missed out when they went to go do their LARPing adventure or whatever <laughs> it was, you know. And so you you buy the game and you're like, okay, let's play it. And you just never get it to it. It just never, it never makes it into, now, so, so you touched on a lot of reasons why that is. Yeah. Like sometimes it can be like we talked about genre and theme before. It could be something where people are just like, I, I, I don't want to do that. Like for me, if I have to run another village and move meeples around and who, figuring out who's got <laughs> weed and who's yeah. quarrying stone, that puts me to sleep real fast. You know, I, I want <laughs> yeah. those meeples to go shed blood on each other and kill each other. But for some Euro gamers, that is like the sweet spot of their fun. Um, but yeah, if, if you like came from a convention and said, wow, this game was number one at Essen, everybody thinks this is amazing. And I'm like, okay, so more farming again. No, thank you. Right. Right. You know, and maybe I'll be cool about it. Be like, yeah, let's do that. Let's maybe. Okay, sure. But yeah, let's never, maybe that. Yeah, let's maybe yeah. But never. Yeah. So that's a, th- yeah. that's a thing. Like, you know, do, maybe you just don't have the right people who, who grok your genre. Right. I know that, yeah. you know, Gen Con people and sci- uh, 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 gamer people like from the from the RPG side tend to default more on fantasy over a little bit more than sci fi mm-hmm. numerically. And I get that. And I I'm kind of firmly in sci fi and I dip my toes into fantasy. And so sometimes there will be a genre that just doesn't capture my imagination. Right. I'm with you on that. I think, you know, people try to reskin them and stuff, but uh to to get people to get excited about them but uh, i think it's interesting for all of you who have gone out there and done that and can't get people to play them don't worry go to boardgamegeek.com and google solo rules and i swear (laughs) there are so many there are so many games that have you know community made solo play rules because of these people are trapped in the same circumstances we are Mm, yeah they can't get people to buy whether it's 
whether you know whether it's not uh, uh, audience appropriate, you know, with the people that have come over to your house, like you were saying, Dan, they just don't want to play that, um, or just the time, or maybe you just don't have time, right? Like for a while there, if you're working late nights and your freedom is, is not when other people are, you got to find a way. I dude, I used to, there was a period of time where I was buying games left and right, and the first thing I would do before I bought a game is I'd pull up my phone and look to see if it had solo rules. Oh, really? Because I knew <laughs> I was, I was gonna be able to play with friends, but it was gonna be like once every two to four months, yeah, just when yeah. it would make it in the rotation. And I wanted to be able to still do something with the system. And I've bought games for solo purposes, and I just, I, I rarely do it, almost never. I always tell yeah. myself I am, I never do it. I don't. It's know come and gone. I, I, it's definitely, it does not have the same appeal to me now. You know, it's getting older and more busy and mm-hmm. with time. But there, you know, when I had just a fewer kids, you know, I would sit back and in the evenings after the kids go to bed and wife wanted to watch TV, I would break out, you know, Thunderstone and I would play the uh, solo rules for Thunderstone, go mm. diving into a dungeon by myself. and Nice. And then I'd put it away at the end of the night and slowly crawl into bed alone. And <laughs> 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 well, my wife was still watching TV in the basement, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, of all the things, I mean, nobody thinks you're lame if you're playing a, a video game or you're playing a game on your phone or if you're watching TV late at night. But there's something about sitting down and playing a board game where people walk right. by and go, do you, do you need someone? Do you need, <laughs> do you need a You're friend? playing something that was designed to be social <laughs> yeah. alone. Yeah. And I've, so, I've known X-Wing players that play the game by themselves to just practice the maneuvers of moving the, yeah. the plane around the board. <sighs> They'll like take the number of obstacles that you should have in a standard game and quadruple them and see if they can move their plane across the board without hitting anything. That's some dedication. Uh, I know. Yeah. And I, this is a real thing. I can't make that up. <laughs> What are you doing tonight, buddy? I got practice. I gotta, yeah, I gotta, yeah. I gotta fly around <laughs> asteroids and gas clouds. Yeah. So I see. Sounds cool I, when you say it. Right, exactly. <laughs> Flying around gas clouds, like, oh, yeah. buddy, what'd you eat? Um, so, so I think, I think the other thing that happens too is like, you may get really excited about a game, right? And you're like, okay, I, I love this game. I can't wait to play this game. And you show up at the game night with all your buddies. And there's like five games on the thing. And you're like, what do you want to play? And you're like, you know, you say, oh, I want to play this game. This game I brought. It's going to be so much fun. And people are like, yeah, we don't really know the rules. We just want to dive into something. So let's play, yeah. you know, Civilization or, or uh, you know, Terraforming Mars. Because we know that game. So let's play that one. And you just never get your poor, your poor game never gets chosen. Yeah. Dude, th- this is why the first time I ever played Catan was like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> because board game night, all right, sweet. Hey, anybody want to play Catan? No, we've all played that like 20 times. Let's play something else. And I'm like, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> the only reason I ever got to play it was because I was on a cruise ship with my wife and another buddy and his wife. And you go up, you know, what are we going to do when I, I don't know, we're bored. Let's go up to the, you know, the something deck. Yeah. And you go up there and they the had board deck, games. poop deck, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and they, uh, right. And they had Catan. And it was like that and like some other dumb game. And so like, well, I guess we'll play Catan. I was like, yes! <laughs> we're going to play Catan! <laughs> Finally! <laughs> that, that's the sound of a that's man who's awesome. been on a cruise ship more than once. Yeah. I've done that too. <laughs> I've gone into the game room and gone, look, they've got Risk. Look, everybody. Buddy, there's risk. We we can play risk. <laughs> That's day five of the cruise talking, by the way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's so funny. Just a quick little tangent here. Um, 
I I was going to my cousin's house on Friday, right, to Lincoln 2.0, and I left work a little early, and my boss is, you know, kind of back there with this kind of, you know, shooting the breeze, and she said, so what are you going to do? Are you going to go do your gaming? Like, she knows that I do gaming, you know? And I said, actually, I am. I'm going. And she's like, I never play board games. What board game should I buy? Like, what board game should I get and play? And I'm like, lady, that is a dangerous question for me to ask, answer, you know? And she's like, well, like, you can't recommend something? I was like, well, here's the thing. How much gaming experience do you have? Like, how much, you know, like, what kind of games do you like? She's like, well, I play, like, Backgammon and Hearts. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> no. gosh. All right, well, here's what you need to do. If you want to get wild, go get yourself Settlers of Catan. Yeah, if you want to go wild, you know. And uh, uh, a mutual friend that we have that works with me, Steve um, Steve Fort, um, he's working with us. And uh, he's like, he's like, oh, Settlers is a great game. A lot of strategy involved in that one. You know, and I'm like, boy, if you only knew. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know, it's really it's good. funny. You know, and I was just, I told him, I said, listen, I play games that are like a thousand times more complicated than that. And I was like, but Settlers is like, was like my gateway drug. Like, that's the one that got me into like this new world beyond the Milton Bradley. Yeah. You know, and the, and the Parker Brothers games. Yeah, there's, there's some, it's a wonderful gateway. Like before that was big, we used Risk as a gateway, you know, because I could get people to come over to play Risk who are not gamers. And before we knew it, we were, you know, we're playing a role-playing game. And I think I played, I think I invited Jay over to play Risk when I first moved into town. Yeah, we played the uh, the Space Risk Yeah, we, we played yeah. Uh, the 20, 2250. But, Had the moon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the play on the moon and in the ocean. The um, yeah. But it's funny how I got a phone call from someone that Jay and I both know really well. Uh, her first name is Kim, but she moved to Utah. <laughs> so Kim called me out of the blue and said, "Oh yeah, I am in a game store with my son. I want to buy him something. What do I buy him?" <laughs> awesome. How much do you want to spend? And I was like, "So," yeah. and I was like, "Well, they can they can be expensive." She's like, "I'm not really worried about that." I'm like, "I, you know, the advice I gave her in that moment, I just said, look for something that's in a second or third edition." And it's probably it's a fantastic advice. game. And just make sure it's something that looks cool and it looks like it's fun and that that and so it looks cool and is it yeah. a second edition or a third edition? You'll you probably can't go wrong there. But that was the I weirdest think, moment. Yeah, it was the weirdest you know, phone funny. call I had to field in my life. <laughs> it's funny because going into going into a game store can be a daunting challenge. Like if you don't know what kind of games are out there. Yeah. And what they are, like, you look at a game and you're like, I guess I'm going off the artwork here. Like, I don't know how to play it. I mean, once you've played enough board games, you look at this, you're like, oh, this is a worker placement game. Yeah. Oh, this is a, you know, this is a, uh, you know. This is roll the dice, move six yeah, spots. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, talisman or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so, yeah, but, you know, anyway, that was quite the tangent. But uh, It was a good tangent. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets, it gets to another point that we had on our list, which was, you know, complexity. Uh, yeah. Katana is a yes. gateway drug game, if you will, to maybe more complex games than your standard yep. Milton Bradley type stuff, right? Yeah. And I think uh, this is a problem in my house. I have tons of games on the shelf but uh my wife will not play hardly any of them with and right. she's been honest she says when i sit down to play a game i just want to 
sit back and just relax and have fun. I don't want to have to like focus on what making sure my turn is optimized right. so that I don't <laughs> screw myself out of the game from turn one. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. In our house, in our house, Jason, those are called, and I'm using air quotes again here, daddy's games. So daddy's games. Those are daddy's yeah, games. Yeah, like that's a daddy's game. And the kids are like, ugh, oh. gross. Uh, yeah. like, I fine. had a, a moment with my uh, teenage nephew, my stepbrother's son. They were visiting us out, out here uh, on the East Coast. And they saw that I had our Armada. And they're like, oh, we got to play Star Wars Armada. And I had all great models and everything. We got to play Armada. This is going to change everything. This is going to blow our minds. 45 minutes into me explaining how to play the game, they're like, we thought this would be more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, <laughs> it's not as yeah. if you invest in it, it will pay off. But if you don't want to make the investment, yep. it's not that. Yeah, that's an example of one I have on my shelf. I've, <laughs> I think I have played my kit once when I brought it over to your house for a larger tournament. Yeah. Oh, you played it with your your two older kids once. You took a photo. <laughs> There's photo evidence. I tried to play it with. <laughs> oh, them. they they posed for a photo playing a game with you. They didn't actually play. <laughs> Well, I think we got That's through awesome. like two turns, and then they were like, uh. "We're done." Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah, we. I played Small World with my kids the other day. Um, That's a fun wife. thematic one. I I liked it. Um, and uh, I think the kids, for the most part, enjoyed it okay. But my wife is just not into those, and so I have trouble pulling a lot of the games off the shelf that I really like. And and when they pull out stuff, I'm just like, okay, we'll play dominoes again, you know. And I'm just like, it's fun, but it's just not. Once you once you have used heroin, marijuana is not very fun, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> like okay, I guess. <laughs> I like a good dominoes though. Uh, no, listen. I we had some friends over, and well, here here we go again. We had some friends over, and they're like, "Yeah, we love to game." I'm like. Do you though? <laughs> like, okay, I'm like, right. uh, you know, I'm like, tell me, like, what kind of games do you normally play? And again, it was like, oh, well, we love Uno and we love, it. and I'm like, gotcha, pull out the dominoes, okay? We're gonna play Mexican Train here, and yeah. uh, you know, that's about the speed. And they had never played Mexican Train before, and they're like, we love this game, and I'm like, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> you know, they said, oh, you know what else we love? Phase Ted, and you went, get out. Get out, out now! Out! Get out, Get of, out of my house right now. right now! We're not friends. That is a that is a game I will not allow on my shelf. <laughs> nope. I will never hoard face. Actually, you know what I should do? I should hoard all the face games. <laughs> so no one can play. <laughs> and then we'll so have no a fire. No one can Yes, exactly. Great. That's so great. <laughs> no, my wife knows. I think it was on her birthday. Uh, it was on someone's birthday. They said, uh, "Let's play Phase Ten as a family." And my wife went, "Dad's not going to play." <laughs> but it's right. but it's my birthday. It doesn't matter. Dad's not going to play. Yeah, we never yeah. Get, we never get tired of this running joke. And, and this this is a very deep well for our running jokes. <laughs> it, is. it really is. It is. So you know, it. Here's the thing. I think hoarding games only becomes a problem if you don't have the space for it. When it comes down to it, you know, I I think if you start to like, or you're sticking games in nooks and crannies where like it doesn't sure, make sense, yeah. like then all or, of a sudden like okay, depriving, you should probably go through your get. If you, you know, if you're depriving others of resources that could be spent on them, if if they are in That's your true world, too. you know. Yep, 
that's true too. So like, instead of getting your kids braces, you ended up getting, uh, you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> a bunch of board games. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were these expansions. <laughs> I'm just like, sorry, you. sorry, sorry, Sally. I know your teeth are crooked, but you'll still enjoy smiling while you play this game. That's right. <laughs> Gamers are so accepting. We're not going to teeth shame you. But there was something about the chasing the high when I was like really hardcore into X-Wing and buying every single thing that came out in quadruples. And uh-huh. it didn't matter what was coming out. I was buying four of everything. And yeah. I get that. And now I am still... I have stacks of this stuff that I just wish I played more. We all wish we played it more and we don't want to throw yeah. it away. But then again, it's like, was I, was I, was it the thrill of the putting together the perfect list? And I play one buddy and I skunk him really bad. He's like, I don't want to play with you again. Cause you skunk me so bad. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, so there's, you, you gotta, you know, I, I think the purpose of this topic is to just be mindful about what you're doing be honest about what you're doing, about what you enjoy about it. If it's the collecting, great. If it's the nostalgia, great. But if you don't know why you're spending your money the way you're spending your money, and uh, maybe you should pause and think in, yeah. in a different way. What utility is this bringing in my life? Yeah. At, and yeah. utility, keep in mind, utility means usefulness with a positive spin. Right. That's what right. utility means, yeah. Because at $150 a game, at $150 a game, board gaming, I think, is way more expensive than role-playing, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know? I played yeah, I played an entire uh, uh, series of Star Wars RPG with never buying a book. I just borrowed yours when I got there to write the character up. Yeah. And then I just rolled dice the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a player, I mean, but as a board gamer, oh, my gosh. Think about it. I mean, yeah. If, if you're if unless you have a regular game night, I wish I had a weekly game night. I wish I had a board game night where everybody came over on Wednesdays or whatever, and it didn't matter. And then we'd run out of games and have to go buy more. But that's like the that that's like the sweet spot that I would love to get to someday. Yep. Cool. Very cool. Such a yeah. good conversation. See, look at we just came up with this on the fly. And we went really deep. <laughs> We're talented. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I hope I hope to be able to play more more games uh, and more of these. I, you know, some of some of me saving these games on my shelf is knowing that eventually my kids will enjoy playing them because they do enjoy gaming. You know what I mean? And and. Um, they it may be they may be a little young. I think about you know my sons and daughters' age. When I was my daughter's age, I was sitting in the back of a classroom during homeroom playing Risk with my friends, and that was the funnest game that we had played to date. You know what I mean? I had not yet discovered Axis and Allies, which was like blew my mind when it came like, you know, to like thinking about Risk 2.0 because I had been playing it on the computer so much that I like you know, was like a master at different scenarios with risk. And so I'm like, I need something different. And then access and allies came and you're like, what is this thing? You know? And like, even now I look at access and allies and I'm like, yeah, it's no Warhammer though. You know, (laughs) you know, you're always always seeking after that new high. Exactly. And I'm kind of, like I said, I'm on the heroin right now. Like, I don't know what I've got to, ride the dragon somewhere else you know yeah well you're um, you know in a warhammer type game that's a heavy that's a lifestyle game it's a heavy investment yep. with heavy payoffs yep. 
uh, time investment, money investment, you know, yep. you know, and community investment too. There's a social investment that's big into those. Yeah. yeah I, yep. And I get it. I never thought if it wasn't for our buddy, Dan, who introduced me to like the X wing starter box and started, that was my first hit. <laughs> yeah. I went down a very, into a very dark place for a long time. Yeah. I could have, I could have been the Warhammer guy right behind you guys, yeah. but, um, that hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, like, I, I, I think that's another reason why I'm hoarding those games, you know, is that uh, that I've got a plan to play them in the future with my kids. And that's, you know, that's that's part of it, too. But, alas, they are on my shelf right now, and some of them get used, some of them don't, and that's okay. They'll be all used one day, so. Time will come. Exactly. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to our podcast. We uh, appreciate all the support that we get from you guys. Uh, uh, We hope that you enjoy each of these episodes. And if you've got a a subject or a topic that you would like to uh, hear us talk about, go to our Facebook page and, uh, you know, throw something on the wall, and uh, we'll be sure to address it. So we, we would love to hear from you. So thank you again for listening, everybody. Bye. See ya.